Welcome, and thank you for listening to the New Day Podcast. We are located in South Kansas City, proclaiming the good news of God's grace to our region and abroad. If you'd like more information, please visit our website, newdaykc.org. Confess this aloud together, so would you say together with me, we believe in God the Father Almighty, the Creator of heaven and earth. And in Jesus Christ, his only Son, our Lord, who was conceived of the Holy Spirit, born of the Virgin Mary, suffered under Pontius Pilate, was crucified, died, and was buried. He descended into hell. The third day he rose again from the dead. He ascended into heaven and sits at the right hand of God the Father Almighty, whence he shall come to judge the living and the dead. We believe in the Holy Spirit, the Holy Christian Church, the communion of saints, the forgiveness of sins, the resurrection of the body, and life. Amen. Amen. You can be seated. It is good to confess, yes? This morning... I'm not going to get through, it's probably going to take me three to four weeks to get through this message. Uh, I don't know how far I'll get in the notes today, maybe just the first couple of slides. But I want to talk to you about the clear message of grace and the freedom and perplexity of the tension that lies within that message. Um, The reason I'm doing it is after John was here a couple of weeks ago, I got some feedback, not a lot, but some, and I just want, want you to be aware of it, of that uh, the people that were here that don't actually go to church here, we go to another beautiful church, dear, dear fellowship that I, I love, and there's not ones that I don't, so I'm just trying to identify it clearly on the <coughs> recording so that everybody understands this. Uh, labeled us, I don't know why you went to that, because that's a hyper-grace church. And, uh, and they believe that you can do whatever you want there, and it doesn't matter. And that's what they teach. I'm not sure what hyper-grace is, but I'm not that. I'm pretty convinced of that, and I want you to know it, that you're not that, that we are not that. And that that sort of message has never been taught here. And I want to re-explain grace a little bit. Lloyd, you've been teaching it for eight years. I'll teach it for 80. You know, what a concept. It saved the world. And, but I want you to have a clear message so that when those kind of things get said, you don't just get upset and go, he does not, or we don't do that, or we don't believe that, but that you have a deep understanding of this. And I went back and looked at, uh, I kind of go back to Dr. Martin Lloyd-Jones and his exposition of Romans when those kind of things started happening. I just had to read aloud to myself again the clear message that he gave, that if any pastor or any church is not being accused of the same things that Paul was accused of and why he wrote Romans, we are probably not preaching the gospel of grace. And part of what you have in the book of Romans is because of the explanation that when Paul, he called it, called it this at the end of Acts, 
when he called it the gospel of grace, is the freedom that allowed everybody to come in. That everybody was welcome no matter where they were at. And that it was through Christ and Christ alone that things like justification, sanctification, all those things occurred. And that really, I don't know, you, can, you, know, you can't pick one passage or one book in the Bible that's going to give you an answer for everything in life. I just don't, it wasn't designed, it wasn't written that way. It's by different authors, it's by different touches of the Holy Spirit. It was inspired of God, it was given to us. But I tell you what, the book of Romans clearly lays out the canon of Scripture of what Christianity is and what it's really about. And you can't just cherry-pick scriptures and say things about what faith is by just pulling out one thing. So I encourage you in your own life, go back into Romans over and over again. It's, it really is. It is, for me, the New Testament passage that I keep returning to. When I don't understand something, when I'm reading in Peter, I, go, I do the opposite of what Peter sort of thought, you know, Peter. Peter, in his, in his understanding of the things that he said, Paul writes things that are hard to understand. I go, I look at Peter and I go, Peter, you wrote things that are hard to understand. I go back to Paul. I do just the opposite because Paul explains it to me. Now, I don't know, maybe it's just me. But I will tell you this, the writings of Paul and what he did, and this is why if you've been to Bible college or you've been to seminary or you've taken classes or anything, there's even a concept called the Pauline Revelation. Okay? And what that is, is it's a revelation of God's grace. It's what was given to Paul was given to us through Paul to understand what the cross did and what Jesus' death resurrection and ascension meant for us and that's why if you if you study it and study theology or study doctrine or any of those types of things or just read your bible that's what it's designed to do you get a clear understanding of what is it that god did again um you know when i when i got saved uh you know that's when there still used to be on neon signs above rescue houses, you know, that rescued people in the streets and stuff. And they'd have a big neon cross and Jesus saves, flashing. You know, and you'd go. I remember thinking, what, what the heck's he saving? What's he saving for? What's he do with it? Hiding it in his back pocket? You know, and is he saving it for a rainy day? I mean, I had no concept of what that actually meant. Um, and I think that's sort of a picture of our lives, isn't it? And that really it's this. I, I love what one writer said, is that salvation is not you giving your life to the Lord. God gave his life to you. That's salvation. God planting himself in a human being and their being called born again, their spirit comes alive. Ephesians says, that which was dead in trespass and sin, he has now made alive. And so really it's a bam, I was dead and now I'm alive. And I'm alive. <laughs> you know, 
It's, it's that sort of thing. So that concept, I want us to wrestle with a little bit again because there's, there's sometimes uh, there's great freedom in understanding the clear message of grace and then there's perplexity where you scratch your head a little bit. Uh, we, we definitely live in an American church culture that I will tell you this, for all of my years of going through it and been involved in different things, and you probably were too, but uh, of all the concepts that I think is misunderstood, it's grace. Of all the things that I've, you know, and I've done all the, you know, coming through and not having any religious background and then getting saved during the Jesus movement or the, the, and then the charismatic movement that actually we call it, started calling it that to differentiate what was happening within the Catholic Church. That they started experiencing gifts and small enclaves of Catholic believers would get together. And that's how that whole term, even the charismatic movement, came out through identifying Catholics who were proclaiming a born-again experience. And oh my gosh, would God even save Catholics? Could Catholics be saved? You know, we laugh at that now, but those were the fights back then and the concepts and things that were just bam, 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 hitting, hitting against us, you know? And then I watched dirty hippies coming into the church. That's how, I, that's when I got, I wasn't a dirty hippie. I was in the Air Force, so I was a cleaned up wearing a mask hippie. Uh, as soon as it was down, the hair came out and I got dirty. Uh, and watching, you know, and going in, my first encounter with church and the idea of church happened two years after I will, if you, if you understand, got saved. I got saved, and then uh, I, Brenda and I tried a couple churches, and I won't give the denominations, but the pastor came over and visited and wanted to know how much money I made. He's <laughs> talk about drop the mic. You know, it's like, bye. You know, wrong thing to do with me is I wanted to have questions about God, and you want to talk to me about what's in my billfold. It just didn't, those rivers didn't converge in my life back then. <laughs> They did not make a healthy stream. And so I didn't go anyplace. And so then, because I didn't know anything, I would, my prayers were like, God, I don't know how to quit being who I am. I don't know how to stop doing what I do, because I like doing it. But I feel guilty every time I do it. And I don't understand that. Why do I feel guilty? I used to do this without feeling anything. <laughs> except a headache. Now I still get the headache, and now I also feel guilty and ashamed. I don't get this. So uh, finally we kept running, you know, the thing we started with this morning, Psalm 139, where can I go? Well, he, he caught me in the bed of hell, and uh, just decided, I can't keep doing this. And so on the verge of a divorce, my wife and I decided that the problem in our life was God. He was a huge problem. Concept. Conceptually, God was a huge problem. Because if I was going to believe in him, I was pretty miserable. That didn't make any sense. How can you believe in something greater than you and still be miserable? 
it kind of violated the whole idea of the neon sign. <laughs> Jesus saves, Jesus saves. Well, I'm miserable, I'm miserable. And those two signs just didn't work in my life. And so we got to a church. There was a church with, uh, they'd come out of denominationalism and a whole bunch of business guys. And back then it was called, three. you wore a three-piece suit, you wore a vest with it. I see business guys and hippies sitting on the floor and they'd go down there and sit with them down in front. I was like, what? Wait, I, I'd just been getting taught the Alabama shuffle to get rid of those guys. If you, you guys don't know. Back at the riots that occurred back then. So I was a police officer and had to be trained in, we call it the Alabama shuffle. So it's how you do riot control. Uh, and you move a crowd out of the way. And it just, I just, are you guys liking my stories this morning? Yeah? I was stunned. Stunned. And having grown up in a family that didn't do intimacy, like we just didn't, not even the thought of didn't do it well, but we didn't do intimacy. You know, intimacy was... How are you, sweetheart? Uh, you touched me. I guess I'm okay. Do I need to duck? And get in this church, and the guy who was the dad to the pastor, and everybody called, they didn't call him pastor, they called him dad. His name was John Castile, or no, his, his name wasn't John. His son's name was John. I can't remember dad's name because we all called him dad. He walked in the back of the church and was hugging people. Hugging them and putting his arm over, grabbing men, guys, and putting his arm over his shoulder and kissing them on the top of the head. I was like, <laughs> I mean, seriously, inside, I was this fractured <laughs> Does not compute, does not compute, does not compute, not what dads do. Who is this guy? Is he a pervert? I watched him go up on stage, and he went up on stage and hugged his son, who was the preacher, and gave him a kiss on the cheek. Started crying inside. I said, What? God's, that's what God saves looks like? That's why I don't want to feel guilty anymore. I want that. I want that. I remember the first time Dad hugged me. He didn't know it. I went out and wept like a baby. Cried my eyes out. That was the most pure hug I could have ever imagined in my life. Y'all wonder, oh, you want to get a Lloyd hug. Well, it got birth back when I got a hug from Dad Castile. Because it broke something inside of the human shell. It was unadulterated grace. He didn't care where I'd come from. He didn't care what I was wearing. He didn't care how I looked. He didn't care if I had a hangover. He came up and hugged me. And suddenly I knew that this 
God that I invited into my life became real in a, in a second, in a moment of time, in a, in a split second. You know where it says in the word suddenly? That's talking about a revelation of God coming. Suddenly. If you haven't had a suddenly late, lately, pray for more. I was thinking about the songs we sang. We need more suddenlies in our life. Just again, where we're just sitting there and suddenly the grace of God comes to our life. And this is what grace does. It reveals who Christ is. I try to find, I wrestle with trying to find a meaning. What does grace mean? Suddenly, God is. That's grace. Suddenly, God is to your heart. That very thing that gets through every bit of brokenness and complaint and hurt and anguish and, yes, selfishness. And it pierces through that. That's grace. That's God in, in, his, in, in his most stunning beauty coming to hearts in grace and truth. The truth is the character and nature of God Grace is the means by which he delivers that. He doesn't use any other way. Truth and grace came by Jesus Christ. He won't use legalism because you will turn it into a bunch of equations that don't work. And all legal, all law does is incite you to sin. This is stunning. God would go, huh. This is right and this is wrong but you can't get right by trying to be right. You get right by receiving Christ. That concept can save the world because the other one doesn't work. Is this, I hope this is just breaking through a little bit this morning of, the, of the, this, you know... I sort of feel like, where's your husband? I sort of feel like Christy Moore, you know, singing songs of the rebellion. So he would understand that, you know. Oh, Jesus, Christy Moore, he's going to do that again. Well, it's Lloyd. Yeah, I'm talking about grace again. But this is the concept. Everything that you receive and get from God, every little tiny understanding, any, any seed of the goodness of God that comes to your heart comes by grace. It cannot come another way or we will turn it into law. We, have, we are bound in our flesh to the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. We are free in our spirits to live in the tree of life. And when we try to get to the tree of life by eating the fruit of the knowledge of good and evil, we don't get it. It doesn't get there, and so it's empty and hollow, and we see this beautiful tree and say, why don't I experience that? Gollum talking about feeding orcs to Shelob, the spider, and that the orcs feed other orcs to Shelob. Do you know the story? Listen, the concept is in the Lord of the Rings are very powerful. I love in the movie, Gollum goes, and they doesn't taste very good, do they, precious? 
that, that fruit from that knowledge doesn't taste good. But the tree of life, and, and there's no rules on it, you can eat as much as you want. You can have as much of God as you want. We think in the concept that it's so wrong to be so totally excited and happy that even when we're grieving, we can have joy. So that's what happened to me this past week. This person trying to take my grief away, tell me, the joy of the Lord is your strength. And I went, oh, it's way more than that. My strength? No, my strength is grieved right now. He's my life. The joy of the Lord is my life support because I have a hope deep inside of me though I'm grieving. Though we have tough stuff in this earth, I, I, know, I know you. I know people in this room. <laughs> I know what some of the things that you're going through right now. I also know the hope that has been planted in your heart that God will be your sustainer through everything you go through. This is life here. This is grace. Concept of grace that you can do whatever you want. You can only say what Paul did. May it never be. That's so far removed from grace and my understanding of grace. Oh, I have the grace of God. God loves me. Now I'm going to go out and do really bad things. I don't know of any grace preacher, and I don't know of any grace believer that believes that. If they do, they're mentally ill. They're deceived. They're under the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, and they're eating fruit that's like eating orcs. <coughs> Sticks in your throat. Nasties. Why would you do that? Why would taste grace and then go, oh, let me see, this morning I think I'll get up and, uh, yeah, I think I'll go down and buy a little dope. Maybe get high before I go and tell people about God's love. Do any of you think that way? Why not? I'm going to tell you why not. Because it's unthinkable. I don't think that way. Neither do you. The enemy tries to get us trapped into rethinking that way. I don't think that way. Therefore, I don't live that way. Is this making sense? I don't, I don't want bad. I had a lifetime of bad in 22 years. 22 years of bad went, yeah, I don't want that anymore. Well, life and that more abundantly. I don't wake up and decide how I'm going to sin. Doesn't mean I didn't sin. I don't wake up and wanting to. And that's that accusation that is out there that if you receive the grace of God, then you're going to do whatever you want. No, I'm not. (laughs) Matter of fact, I found this. I want to do what he sees in me. 
I want to be who he sees me to be. I want to do the things that he has for me to do. He has this whole line in, in Ephesians 2 that lays out and says, oh, before he starts in Ephesians 1, before I created the heavens and earth, I knew about you. And oh, by the way, then you jump to Ephesians 2. What I knew about you is I have some stuff that we're going to do together. That's what, isn't that what you want? Well, then how come I do bad? Well, see, that's it. I threw a bunch of the grace people, and they thought I threw them under the bus when I did the Spurgeon picture from last week on Facebook. That's actually why. I mean, you know, it's this. Left to my flesh, my flesh still likes to eat at the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. My spirit does not like that. My spirit wants to eat at the tree of life, grace, and love. And I found this, that if I don't identify with that my flesh is perfectly capable of doing something unthinkable, if I don't recognize that within me, I may be tempted to go back and do it. It's the recognizing what I'm capable of that keeps me from doing it. I could be that. I could have gone down and got some cocaine this morning. I could do that. I had enough pain that, yeah, I really could have done that. But I'm not gonna, because it doesn't taste good. And it won't produce life. And my true heart's desire is to be who he says I am. And he says I'm in Christ. Isn't that a concept? What would happen if we changed our prayers in the morning instead of, Lord, let me experience your presence today. We just said, let me know that in you I live and move and have my being. In Christ today. I'm literally the hope of glory walking around. Paul said, when they see me, they see Christ. What? What if I started just preaching grace to myself in the mornings? Instead of, oh God, keep, keep me away from anything tempting today and help me not to look at anything. Help me not to be bad. Help me be sweet with my words. What if I turn my prayer into, just as the Father was in Jesus and Jesus was in the Father, you are in me and I am in you. And we are one this day. What a concept. Could change the world could change your world because that's where it has to start. Changing this inside. Hope this is penetrating because when we say, oh yeah, grace, no, it's not that. 
it's not. In, in, I, sometimes I wish it was a bigger word. Do you know, any of you who like to read, sometimes I wish it was a nine-syllable word. You know, like I, 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 went, into, I went into Price Chopper, and the person greeting me was a young man, and he went, supercalifragilisticexpialidocious, instead of, hello, welcome to this store. Oh, it was Walmart. I'm sorry, it wasn't Price Chopper. It was Walmart. And I went, wow, that's a lot of syllables. I've heard that one before. And he looked at me again, and he said, supercalifragilisticexpialidocious. And I went, you got it, kid. You got it. I gave him a pat on the head. But that's how, you see, that's how I would, if we took grace, grace, and we just had that kind of energy that that young man had over that, what, what is it, 17 syllables or something? Whatever it is, I forget now, 15 syllables. Anyway, that's how important it is in my life. For some reason, that word was important to him, and I wasn't going to steal it. For some reason, the simple word grace is really important to me, and you can't steal it. The world can't. Other religious people can't. Because God planted it inside of me and inside of you. Grace. Bigger than, bigger than, bigger than a meal. Grace upon our meal now. No, grace. This concept that God would rescue me from me. Holy buckets. Do you remember how bad you needed rescuing? No, I didn't know anything bad. I was like little and, oh, God, I wish I had that testimony. You are so, you are so incredibly blessed if that was your testimony. I grew up in the church and I didn't know a time without God. Oh, thank God. Thank God. And thank God there are those of us among you who can say, I didn't and I needed rescuing from me. Thank God. Grace. So I want you, as we kind of look at this again, I want you to take the idea, the concept, the very fabric, and even, and especially if you're tired of hearing me talk about it. Especially that. You re-wrestle with it, because God wants to plant something in you, and the only way it'll happen is through grace. Won't happen any other way. Grace comes by grace. Actually, it comes by Jesus Christ. Grace and truth came by Jesus Christ. And just pray, just in your own life, just say this this one very, very secret, dangerous prayer tomorrow morning. God, give me another glimpse of your grace at work in me. And see what the week happens like. For some of you, all heaven will break loose. For some of you, all hell will break loose. Because of the Ephesians 1 and 2 thing. But it will do something inside of you that you, instead of identifying yourself with the fruit of the knowledge of the tree 
of the knowledge of good and evil. Instead of you identifying yourself with that, you identify yourself with the tree of life. I'm alive. In him I live and I move and I have my being. I was dead. I'm alive. I was unborn. I'm born. Now bear with me. I was ungodly. I am godly. Keep going. I was unrighteous. I am. Grace. Stand with me. Yeah. I don't, know, I don't know if this is prophetic, but it's kind of funny. When you said you wish grace had been a bigger word, the first thing I thought was supercalifragilistic. XP Allegracious. Allegracious. <laughs> Here it is. Okay. Prayer, language of heaven. So I want to pray for you. Lord, I pray right now that however this came out and however a seed was planted into a heart, that it would bear fruit and that the neon sign flashing Jesus saves would engulf our thoughts and ideas and understanding, life choices, the way we see each other, the way we engage with each other, all those things. I pray for it right now. Lord, your, your servant Dan Stone said that when revelation and faith meet, something happens. So I pray right now. You said faith was a gift. It wasn't even of ourselves. I pray for the, the gift of faith and revelation to meet in human hearts right now. That it would stun us into who you are. This week, I asked for ooh, cataclysmic things to happen. Really big, those, those supercalifragilistic, expialigracious things. If that's hyper grace, we'll take it. If that's hyper grace, let it work in us. In Jesus' name, amen. Now may the Lord bless you and keep you. Lord, make his face to shine upon you and be gracious unto you. The Lord, lift up his countenance upon you, give you peace in the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Amen? Amen. All right, you need to hug on each other.